This is my voice, my weapon of choice. Hello everybody, you are listening to IVS Radio, a podcast series on the migrant women experience. Brought to you by IVS, the international women's space. IVS has been a space for refugee women to come together and self-organize. We discuss, share, and exchange our stories, experiences, challenges, and struggles. We empower each other and empower ourselves to learn about and fight for our rights. Make sure to visit our website, iwspace.de, and subscribe to our podcasts. Hello, everyone. Welcome to IVS Radio, a podcast on the migrant women experience. It feels good to be back. I am Jennifer, one of the moderators and participants for today's conversation. And I'm Nak, also moderating and participating. Last time, we talked about the inhuman conditions built by the EU border and asylum policies in Greece and in Germany. This time, we will discuss the situation of migrants and refugees in South Korea and look at the parallels and differences between South Korea and Germany specifically, but also the European Union. Yes, and I think this is something so important for us to have as a topic because according to reports, South Korea only accepted 4% of people who were seeking asylum in 2020. So that's 4% of the 4,000 or so who applied. And in neighboring Japan, the acceptance rate was even lower and has consistently been less than 1%. So here we really want to understand what is going on and and also where this issue intersects with the feminist movement in South Korea. So we're really excited to have Yong and Aram with us for the program. They both are from South Korea and live currently in Berlin. And they will talk with us today about feminism, racism, and asylum border policies in South Korea. So Yong and Aram, would you like to start with introducing yourselves? Hello, I'm Yong, um, originally Yong Long. I was born, educated, socialized, and has studied and worked in South Korea. And um, since 2012, I'm living in Germany as a feminist and uh, anti-racist activist and creating um, various forms of political and cultural content. Hi, this is Aram, and I'm also from South Korea. I was also born and raised and educated and worked in South Korea. And uh, since 2014, I've moved to Berlin. And currently, I'm studying urban sociology and uh, focusing on migrant women and their spatial mobility. Thank you to you, both of you, for being here. And it's so exciting to be around and listen to more about uh, the work that you're doing, which is so important. First, I would like you to say something about the Korea Forum Feminism Reboot and probably introduce the magazine that you're working on. Yes. Um, yes, our uh, Feminism Reboot is the 28th edition of the German magazine Korea Forum. Um, Aram and I had worked as editors and um, this edition is about the new wave of feminist and gender discourse since 2006 in South Korea. It raises other related issues um, on the Korean peninsula, which means around uh, South and North Korea. 
And the term feminism reboot uh, attempts to explain this certain phenomenon and was originally defined by South Korean cultural critic Son Hee Jung. And this term is mostly used in film language, like a Spider-Man reboot, such like that. And this English word reboot is used for the new creation of a work of fiction based on the basic features of a previous work, but without maintaining the continuity of the plot. So we saw the new feminism movement since uh, 2015 uh, is very unique and different phase uh, compared to the feminist movement of the last 100 years in Korean Peninsula, but it's still in historical continuation of previous movement. Yes, um, and uh, we picked up some uh, important incidents, um, events and movements from uh, 2016 to 2020. Then we rearranged um, this um, chronologically, such as um, famine, uh, femicide in Gangnam, Gangnam uh, Station, uh, 2016 May, and Me Too movement, 2018 January, and spy camps, uh, 2018 May, and then Women Against um, Yemeni Refugees um, on the Jeju Island, 2018 June, yeah, and then um, 2019 April um, about abortion issue, and 2019 um, autumn uh, suicide of um, two young K-pop um, singers, and 2020 about uh, trans women, and 2020. Um, uh, about the new way of um, sexual exploitation on web, so like Telegram, and this one is highly organized by uh, just ordinary men mostly. Before we uh, like talk about the main uh, topic in our uh, main discourses, I can uh, briefly mm -hmm. introduce uh, what's the Yemenis issue in Korea. So since the, uh, since the beginning of the civil war in Yemen 2014, many Yemenis have tried to apply for asylum in Europe. But as a result of the triggered uh, tightened uh, European immigration policy as of 2018, which was, was also triggered from German side, Southeast Asian countries became more and more the destination of refugees seeking asylum. So they detoured the route to South, uh, Southeast Asia. So with tourist visas, around 500 Yemenis arrived on Jeju Island alone in 2018 to apply for asylum. At the time, 700 million people signed an online, pu online public petition against Yemenis asylum acceptance and constitutional amendment on asylum law in Korea. This led to a fierce backlash in South Korea society from both nationalists and also women who understood who understand feminism only for biological women. So in addition to already a widespread xenophobic atmosphere that looked down on migrant workers from poorer countries, some women used racist and Islamophobic prejudices and fake news to add fuel to fire. Under the two slogan, our nationals first, stop the hate against asylum seekers. Not only the right and left sided, but also radical feminists and intersectional feminists aligned themselves for this issue. So we uh, found an active voice 
by Bo Myung Kim, who organized a Facebook group Borderless Feminism together with other intersectional feminists right after the Yemen issue in 2018. And the text gathered on the page later was published as a book, Borderless Feminism in Korea. And the author of the article who we invited for this uh, Frauen demonstration, Gegen Yemeni Dishe Geflutete of the Insel Jeju, women demonstrate against Yemeni refugee on Jeju Island. And she works in uh, women's studies with a focus of feminist history and uh, radical politics. So that's how we introduce uh, her article and her opinion to our Megogen. We picked um, this article for this uh, um, podcast, this episode, because um, this incident or movement was kind of turning point for a new wave of um, Korean feminism, um, 21st century. Because before that, um, the most of the young feminists in South Korea are uh, concerned more about um, domestic violence or sexual harassment in the public spheres like uh, working space or schools and so on, and body politics, uh, for instance, um, body sovereignty or abortion issues, mostly. And also Me Too, uh, Me Too movement, sorry. Me Too movement was huge after US. But then, after the arrival of uh, Yemeni refugees, most of them were um, male refugees, um, this movement, this new huge movement, were somehow divided uh, into two branches, I would say. Uh, the one was um, solidarity with Muslim male refugees and the other one is against them. So we picked this issue because it has huge um, um, meaning, not only for uh, South Korean feminists and also the nation itself, but also here in Berlin and uh, EU politics, because um, yeah, um, the two countries um, are so apart from, I mean, ge geographically, but um, they are so deeply connected. Yeah. So I, I just want to pick up on what you um, mentioned, Young, about this deep interconnection between here and also South Korea. So I, I want to ask you, you both, um, what intersections and links do you see between Germany and the EU more broadly? and South Korea in terms of the situation and conditions facing migrants and refugees? Uh, to Before we answer, I can also play uh, the, like the, this rhetorics uh, mostly used in the um, protests against refugees in Korea. <laughs> Here they say, before becoming like a failed Europe, the government should wake up. So definitely you can see we um, the protesters make a lot of reference of uh, European countries. So which means um, the people who protest there, they interpret um, <laughs> the EU border politics or um, the opening the door um, 
2016, 15 uh, in Germany and also other countries, um, they see this as fail. So, um, yeah, to demonstrate, um, Europe has failed because of refugees. So we shouldn't go the same way. When they talk about the failure of the European Union, the failure of the European Union is on purpose. They discuss everything, but they refuse to discuss the basic living conditions of people on transit. It's on purpose. This is chaos they produce on purpose. So that they can have something to politicize about. It can, it can outline clearly uh, they are able to use the to use the images of the chaos they have produced, which of course are from very certain and very particular communities. The other thing is that um, here we can say what it is: it's it's outright racism, and this racism is something that people, at, from the onset, they do not acknowledge that they are being racist or saying statements that could uh, that are of course. Uh, affecting the other people, but I, I would be much. I am much more also interested in in in, in hearing were there other anti-racist slogans that people you know counterreacted. Uh, let me point out that like uh, the slogan uh, from the side of pro-refugee, mm -hmm. it was uh, more compared to the anti-refugee slogans, uh, it might sound a bit more abstract can be, but uh, they are aligned themselves as a stop hate against asylum seekers, welcome refugees. But like they got a lot of accusation from the other side, what if they do this thing to our country? What if? This is all based on this, um, not based on the fact, but based on this kind of imagination that all the worst case possible, which we heard happen in Europe. So this is also linked to the policy uh, topic that uh, by saying the numbers in Korea, unlike here, there was like 500 refugee, uh, Yemenis refugee arrived in Jeju Island, right? Only 500. 500. Only 500, right? And people freaked out. And Korea is not the country we never had refugee in our history. So like Korea always uh, had always this kind of proud that we are one of the first country in Asia enact asylum law and we are also first country in Asia to have uh, to sign up in the uh, asylum committee of the worldwide. Mm -hmm. And then when it comes to this real um, the case of accepting refugees and taking care of what's the the organization or like housing and etc they really reluctant to make it any more detail or more concrete policy or solutions. So we can we can conclude it is failure, failure by the poli policy makers to uh, to organize properly that people have the basic need, basic human needs they need mm -hmm. without. Um, without creating the commotions that they, you know, that comes up with people being in dire need of survival. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Aram also um, before uh, mentioned about it, uh, the Korean society exactly, um, specifically South Korean society, has never experienced refugee issue as a host. 
So uh, after the Korean War in the 1950s, South Korea was um, South Korean society only remembers its own experience as a refugee, so not a host. So this country was so um, destroyed after the war. It was only 70 years ago. And uh, this country um, achieved massive um, success, I mean, economically and also politically. Because of this uh, fast growth, at the same time, this uh, yearning to become aligned with other Western wealthy countries. So they sign up this refugee committee and policy and also enact this law, asylum law. But inside, they are not ready, actually. They're not prepared. Not prepared. They're but not prepared. they want to be in this kind of alignment with other wealthy countries. And there's also a very complicated uh, issue of this reproduction of accusation of refugee as a sexual preparators. Because usually Korean media exclusively show the case of in Europe, especially when they accept the refugees and see what happened in Europe. They are raping the people. There are a lot of sexual harassment is going on. But this only focus without showing how people are welcoming and how the refugees themselves really strive themselves to uh, like um, live in the new society. I think this, this bias um, outlet of newspaper really triggered, triggered this reproduction of the image of Islam men. Yeah, and I think what you both are bringing in, I mean, there's so much here, but I think just to start with that you're pointing out the ways in which this racist nationalist discourse is being created everywhere, no matter if we're in Europe, if we're in the US, if we're in South Korea. And we can see so clearly from what you're sharing how South Korea, the discourse that you were, that you're, you're bringing out here, is made possible by bringing in this example of Europe and Germany. Um, yeah, I, I, I think there's a lot here that we want to continue going into, but maybe it could be a good time for a break. So I know you brought a song, Young. Um, do you want to talk to us about what this song is and what it means to you? Yeah, um, I brought um, uh, one of the common protest songs in South Korea. Um, Pawichor um, means uh, like a rock, stone. So let's live um, like a rock. Let's stay together like this. Yeah, by Kotaji, uh, this group. And this one released um, in 1994, 1994, and its poetic uh, lyric um, reminds me of always, um, yeah, the um, the atmosphere of the <laughs> on the street. <laughs> yeah.
escuchando a IBS Radio. Você está ouvindo IBS Radio. Atenção que você IBS Radio. What a song! That was a very interesting song, and I wish I could hear what they were saying. But from from what you said, it, it projected even the energies and the times and the, and the and the strength in this time when this songs was this song was being played. I I'm really interested in knowing what the words are about. Now it come. I can dive into the next question, where we have we have one common history of being colonized. We are all countries that have been colonized at some point, but where why is the topic of racism still so eminent, even though we share this kind of discourse of being colonized? We all share um, the experience of being oppressed, colonized. And we have experience of violence as a victim, but why we are oppressing other oppressed people? And the question you brought up, we see still that so many marginalized group and、um, communities are marginalizing, reproducing another violences against another marginalized group and communities, such as、um, anti-black racism in Asian countries. Anti-Muslim in Asian countries. I mean, in white Western countries, we see it every day, <laughs> and you know. But yes, like by hearing Yongnong, I also always think, why are we finding this leveraging? Yeah, <laughs> leveraging me between some more I f- want to find as a sup- like inferior, so that I can kind of having this kind of fake feeling of I'm, I'm going toward this hierarchical. Steps forward, and in that sense, I also think、um, people say good migrant and modern migrant.、Um, this rhetoric is produced, and some. So this, I think, this makes sense to see how people try to leverage themselves with the inferior without raising question against superior, so to say. Don't you think this?、Uh, I mean, it's it's the same、uh, divide and rule concept that was used by the colonizers that、yeah. is being reproduced. Yes. At what point did you? Were you able to give it a name? This is racism. At what point were you able to understand that、uh, I was socialized wrong, for example? And to maybe also add to that question, not just for you personally, but also. You kind of talked about as well、um, that this was a shifting moment for the feminist movement in in South Korea. So, do you feel like there was this rising awareness as well of of this racism within、um, the feminist ideologies and beliefs and and、um, yeah within the feminism in South Korea?、Um, and if not, then you know how do you see this? How can you see this awareness being built、um, within? Within South Korea, in your context, yeah, I think like after two thousand fourteen, fifteen, when this like feminist reboots just started, and mostly mobilized through the online first, and then really people think, oh, we have really common ground, we have common reason to fight for, and then through the issue of Yemenis and refugee issue, people realize we are not talking about 
the feminism we, we projected, but we, within us, we have such a diverse understanding of feminisms. And uh, Korea, as Yongnam also pointed out, we have a country of migra migration within our country, but people tend not to see the reality of this. And we also didn't give a ground and platform for the migrants to talk about their real stories and how they really experience this. So people always say Korea is such a homogenized one race country, but which is not actually. So I think people are not ready to see this stratification um, between different feminisms, also possible feminisms within seeing this um, the like incorporating the race and different countries into their discourses. So they only so I think we are still in in this kind of phase of um, change, but. Um, but this moment, we also we, at the same time we confirmed that okay, we have very different feminisms within our feminism movement, and yeah. So, well, you're still in the topic of racism, yes, because we saw what happened during the Corona time and mm -hmm. how the Asian community, for example, here experienced the racism, and then on the other hand, in Asian countries, the black people were the ones who are being told they are the cause of the virus. How was your experience in this time and this time of the racism that was propagated to the Asian community here? After Corona, some people all talking, something really different happened after Corona to Asian community. But what I personally experienced was actually it's not. I mean, with, before even before Corona, I've always feel racism against Asian. Also, I always hear on the street that ching ching chong or saying any blah in sounds like Asian words to, towards me. And of course, after Corona, there, it's more frequent, so to say, and also shift to more relate the topic more related to COVID. But I think this is like this racism against Asian was uh, present already, but I think this COVID issue kind of triggered to finally tell the um, German that, oh, there is such a racism against the Asian, but which also existed. And in that sense, also in the Korean and Yemenese issue, how this uh, became a trigger, actually there's a racism actually persistent in, within feminism's, feminism movement, definitely. But this kind of like triggered and brought it to the surface, I think. Thank you very much. Because we know how hard it is to talk about this, uh, these issues on racism, how we are affected and how, how much it gets into us. That's, that's the reality. But now I'm more interested to hear on the divisions that were there with the concept of feminism in this time when the Yemeni men were there, that the feminist, the feminist movement divided itself on, the, on this concept of racism. And then we can also uh, kind of bring that shift to white feminism here, mm -hmm. which only wants to talk about sexism, but doesn't want to talk about racism. The core problem of the, um, this incident arrival, um, Yemeni Muslim male refugees in South Korea and also the racist reactions led by so-called uh, radical feminists. And all the other stuff, I mean, marginalized group against marginalized group, they have common ground. 
um, the key lies in um, how you understand feminism and how you understand your own struggle. How you understand feminism affects completely how you are practicing your feminism and also struggle as well. We can just switch the word uh, feminism to struggle. So uh, whether it is a refugee, a Yemeni refugee, or a Yemeni male refugee, if you are against their migration and their settlement in the name of feminism, then I'll say your feminism is not my feminism, and your struggle is not my struggle. And, um, yeah. I think now there is the, the term that was coined by Kimberly Crenshaw, intersectional yeah, yeah. feminism. Mm -hmm. And that's where everybody has a space in this concept of of intersectional feminism so that no uh, no no one fe has feels superior over the others but we have all an intersectional we intersect from mm -hmm. some point i think that was uh, that was very smart of of kimberly crenshaw mm -hmm. you had another song this might be a bit abrupt, but this song is a kind of like new generation of protest song, unlike the previous song. And it's actually K-pop. I think it's like already 100, only 10 years old song, but because it's the uh, lyrics also into the new world by girls' generation. It's sung in Iwa University's protest against the uh, university's conspiracy. And this uh, new generation of young feminisms, also feminists, they kind of refuse to use old generation's protest song. They want to make <laughs> their own new way of their new world through, <laughs> through the protest. So this, at the same time, it also shows some glimpse of how this dividing feminism within the feminism discourses, because they really want to focus on the... Um, like self development, their position in in like in comparison to the men's and women world. So you will hear it first, and then we can come back. Yeah.
Você está ouvindo a rádio IBS. I'm, I'm a big, big fan of K-pop, but to also see it from this perspective of there is also, it is also political. Um, so I really appreciate it. Yeah. Maybe to come to a conclusion, what would be your final statements as we come come to almost the end of this program? I wish we had more time. There's a lot we could have discussed. But what would be your like closing statements for the program? Um, yeah, I think it's all, um, as we also talk a lot that, uh, we, everyone has their own different ways of understanding feminisms. And then it's not about saying my feminism is contrary to your feminism. It's also, we all have to understand where we intersect and where to find our common understanding of each other, not just in the way of exclusion. Think that would be the lesson I learned through this Yemenis issue, also living in Germany, seeing all these different feminisms. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. What I would love to demonstrate is um we be um intersectionalist and also be um internationalist. Because the reason the main reason why we uh, picked up this um article for this episode and also why we took um this issue very very seriously was um um this incident was an um a trigger for many other problems in that country in my home country but also from that point um so many young feminists started to think their situatedness in a geopolitical realm so they started to reconstruct their um, own subjectivity in a relation to others. And um, I hope that, um, yeah, that's why it's very important. And I hope that, um, that we didn't um, uh, give all the others um, um, wrong impression that the struggle of South Korean young feminists somehow um, not important or some. It's very important because the real violence is going on there. But uh, let's don't forget um, that um, other um, entanglement is also important. Yes. Thank you. Uh, it's very interesting how you put it that that we are not, we are not, um, we are not belittling the struggle of other. We acknowledge the struggle. And we have very common struggles when it comes to femicide. It's everywhere. Every men are just being killed because they are women. There are so many commonalities we share. But in these commonalities, let's also embrace the differences. There is power in the differences. Our strength lies in the differences that we have. Many, many thanks to you, Young and Aram, for the very interesting discussion and for being here. I'm sure um, that we will continue to have these conversations and we will continue to to be in, in organizing spaces with each other. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. And um, I wanted to say this. Um, thank you so much for your existence in Germany, in Berlin, you both, and your struggle. Yeah, I'm admiring, seriously.
Yeah, thank you so much. And thank you. Also, that really motivated me also to speak out about my personal experiences also at the same time trying to make us common grounds to other with other women also. Thank you. Okay. We are broadcasting from We Are Born Free Empowerment Radio and it is on 88.4 in Berlin and on 90.7 in Potsdam. You can listen to We Are Born Free Empowerment Radio every Friday and Saturday from 1 to 4 p.m. and on Sundays from 1 to 5 p.m. You've been listening to EBS Radio. We are broadcasting from We Are Born Free Empowerment Radio in Berlin. EBS Radio is a podcast series on the migrant women experience brought to you by EBS, the international women's space. We are a feminist, anti-racist group of migrant women, refugee women, and women without this experience. EVS Radio is a continuation of our work documenting the lives and stories of refugee and migrant women living in Germany. Visit our website, iwspace.de, to find out more about our work and subscribe to our newsletter. A complete transcript and a German translation of today's episode will also be available there soon.